So when it comes to cooking, one thing I always try to do is use up what's left in the fridge, despite my meals not always going to plan. And during lockdown, we were often served my dad's homegrown veg, carrots with arms and legs, which we fully embraced. As my Scottish mother would say, waste not. Continuing with that theme, this episode is sponsored by Rubies in the Rubble, who make multi-award winning condiments packed with ingredients that would otherwise go to waste. Their range of relishes, mayos and ketchups provide a delicious solution to food surplus. It is safe to say that their tomato relish goes with absolutely everything and I'm afraid my long-standing love for Hellman's has officially been replaced by their chilli mayo. Rubies are also really kindly offering all Inside Out listeners 20% off their first order. So please, please head to www.rubiesintherubble.com and enter the code INSIDEOUT at checkout for your 20% discount. I promise you their range of condiments are blooming delicious and will make your Christmas presents that much better. Thank you, Rubies, for sponsoring the podcast. I'm very grateful. Hello, and welcome back to season two of the Inside Out series with me, Susie Flory, a strip back podcast that celebrates everything and anything taboo. This season, I'm joined by a range of amazing guests who open up, delve in at the deep end and share their own inspiring stories. Each guest's own journey is completely unique and together, through the power of real lived experiences, they help me teach those all important lessons you didn't actually learn in school. So for those of you who are as obsessed with Elizabeth Day and her podcast, How to Fail as I am, you'll already know all about today's guest. And for those of you who don't, well, you're in for a treat. Today, I was honoured to speak to Mo Gaudet, the former Chief Business Officer at Google X and author of his inspiring book, Soul for Happy, where he discusses an algorithm he has created for obtaining happiness. If his soothing voice isn't enough to make you feel completely in love with him, just you wait until you hear his words of wisdom. I quite literally slid into Mo's DMs and after two very flattering messages on my behalf, he responded one morning at 6.30am. I cried, I was so excited. He is now someone I've had the pleasure of getting to know and there are no words which will do him justice. This man is nothing other than a really, really special person. And for a man who had 16 cars by the age of 29, he shares that his happiest moment in life was actually age 23, when money was low and he was completely head over heels for the girl of his dreams. In this episode, we talk about what it really means and takes to be happy, the pressures of being a millennial, how to really wangle your way around a dating app, and why indecisionitis is a thing. Mo, over to you. Hi Mo, how are you today? I am actually quite good today, as I'm quite good most of the time. I woke up at 4am at a business wow. call with Korea, and I could complain about it because, you know, it's dark at 4am. It's like, why? Why life? And instead, I actually enjoyed it tremendously. Made myself a coffee, finished the call, meditated, went out and saw the sun before it started to become very windy. And yeah life is cool. I'm, I'm quite good today. Do you wake up that early every day? I have a feeling you're a bit of an early riser. Is that right? I would love to. Uh, so if you allow me, I would love to wake up every morning at 5am 
and start my day and sleep at nine or something like that. I think that would be so wonderful for me. Sadly, though, my life is not entirely within my hands. So sometimes I would have very late calls. You know, my scope covers a big part of the world. So sometimes I'd have to do things late, you know, like 9, 10 p.m. Other times I have to do things early. I do, however, make it a point to sleep eight hours before it's time for me to wake up. So it's actually quite an exercise of discipline. And I do that actually through meditation. So I basically meditate for as long as it takes to sleep. So I, I meditate lying down. Sometimes it takes me 10 minutes to fall asleep. Sometimes it takes me three sessions of 25 minutes each. And so what? You know, either way, I'm benefiting from the meditation and also benefiting from the process of going to sleep. And what are you doing now? I mean, just remind me, because I think we probably have so much to talk about and I have an abundance of questions I want to ask you. But what are you doing now for work? Or are you kind of... I do six full-time jobs. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Only six. So I'm co-founding a startup uh, that has the potential to completely change our world in in a very, very positive way. Uh, we're, we're We're rethinking about consumerism and trying to reinvent consumerism in a way that fits the thinking of the 21st century. So if you were to invent consumerism now and not in, uh, you know, not, not that long ago when, you know, 150, 200 years ago when it started, uh, you would invent it differently. So that takes around three to four hours of every day. I then have, of course, my work as an author. So I'm working on two books at the same time, two and a half books, I call it, at any point in time. Uh, yesterday, I submitted the draft of the first half of a very, very dear book to me. Uh, so that normally takes two hours of my day. I then have uh, my work on One Billion Happy and all of the attempt to spread happiness. I also am working on a happiness app that is quite intelligent uh, with us as a startup and another startup with a very dear friend and a, and a brilliant, brilliant young lady who uh, had a very strong impact in education in general. Uh, And then I have my work as a full-time social media manager because I actually don't believe that someone should manage my uh, my social media. I believe that, you know, connecting with people on social media should be uh, genuine and and honest. And then finally, my favorite, favorite, favorite new job on the planet, which is uh, being the host of Slow Mo, my podcast. And, uh, oh. and slow-mo is such a joy and such a pleasure. And it's making such a massive difference to so many people. Uh, difference. So, so it's, uh, it's something that I really love. I can definitely champion that. I mean, your podcast is amazing. And I don't know if, I'm sure you get this a lot, but there's something about your voice and it's so (laughs) soothing. I mean, (laughs) of course, everything that you say as well is so wise, but your voice, I could just listen to it at night. (laughs) It's so relaxing. I have to tell you, I never understood that. You you know, I I actually wrote in my book that when my publisher asked me to, uh, to read the audio book, the audio version of Soul for Happy, I was totally surprised. I was like, why would you want that? I sound like a little girl. And in no. my, yes, exactly. Yes. Now I'm sure. Now I'm totally confident from the co- compliments that I got, you know, through the, out the last few years that I don't sound like a little girl. But, but yeah, in my head, I just so don't understand what you guys like about it. But anyway, <laughs> if, if you're happy, I'll, I'll keep going. I'm I, actually now, as a matter of fact, I'm 
I'm like seriously looking into audio equipment for my podcast and so on. So that, you know, if people like that, sure, you know, I'm, I'm happy to provide. No, you're making people happy in so many ways that you don't even know possible. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, like just by speaking. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Susie. So, you're so kind. <laughs> oh, well, it's true. So tell me about your book that you have just submitted the first published for the one that's really oh. good. Oh, that would be an exclusive here. Um, oh, sorry, I shouldn't have. So I'm, no, 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 no. I, so I'm I'm working currently on four books in parallel. One of them is a, a book I call Scary Smart. That's the one mm-hmm. I uh, submitted half of yesterday. Uh, half, half, more than half actually. I I have three chapters to go. Scary Smart is a is a view of artificial intelligence that's coming our way that I believe is going to reinvent our world that we have not seen before. Of course, every uh, computer scientist believes the same because artificial intelligence is, is the first innovation we create that is not a tool. It's not a hammer that we can use to do certain tasks. It's actually a, uh, an individual being that can make its own decisions of what it wants to do. And so, mm. and so the way artificial intelligence is going to sh- shape our life is quite... Uh, significant, uh, you know, defined in in the literature of AI as a singularity that, you know, it's it's a horizon beyond which we actually don't know what's going to happen. And I argue uh, in uh, chapter three, uh, what I call the three inevitables, that uh, inevitable number one is that AI will happen and it will happen fast. There is no way we can come out, you know, there is no way the world today can, can decide to stop AI from progressing anymore. Uh, and I use a game theory approach to, to try and show you that whatever outcome on that game board is going to eventually lead to AI being developed, that it will become much smarter than we are. Some people predict as, a, as much as a billion times smarter than we are by the year 2050. And, wow. and in, in, that, in that comparison, just so that you understand, uh, a billion times smarter would be the comparison between the intelligence of Einstein and the intelligence of a fly. And, and, and in that case, we are the fly. And so, right. <laughs> uh, right? and, that, and, and so the trick would be to convince Einstein that there is no point to spray the fly. Okay. And, and, uh, you know, and, and, and the third inevitable, uh, sadly, is that uh, things will go wrong. Uh, so so, so I'm, I'm not saying science fiction like, uh, you know, doomsday, Vicky trying to take over the world and iRobot or whatever. Uh, but but basically things will go wrong. Like with every technology, there will be circumstances that we didn't predict. And my approach is to say that AI, you know, I developed a ton of AI uh, in my career. Uh, and I, I, I influenced the development of AI in, in Google very heavily when I was at Google X. And so I, I would say that this is the first technology ever that is not shaped by the coder, not, not by the developer. It's shaped by the data that is provided to it. And my approach in Scary Smart is to say, um, basically, uh, the, the choices you and I do make as individuals will define if AI will be the best thing that we've ever created or our new God. And I spell out clearly my One Billion Happy Mission as an approach to show AI that the values that matter are happiness and compassion. And that if we can manage to offer enough data to those systems in our interactions between us as humans, we would actually drive the machine to become 
uh, as human as we would want to be but are failing to. No, you're on a mission to make a lot of people very happy. And I've heard you speak about IQ and EQ before. So, in, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, intelligence and then emotional intelligence. And it's just interesting. Like, how do you think that this kind of development might, well, do you think it might prohibit your mission to make loads of people happy or? Not at all. Not at Amazing. all. So, I, so I, love, I, I don't call it IQ and EQ anymore. I call it feminine and masculine. Okay. Okay. Uh, or, or masculine and feminine IQ being associated more with the masculine, which are things like linear thinking, analytical thinking, discipline, execution, and so on and so forth. The masculine part of all of us, by the way, masculine has nothing to do with body parts. Huh? Uh, you being a woman have some masculine in you and some feminine in you. I being a man have some masculine in me and some feminine in me. But masculine qualities are associated with us trying to force the world to behave our way. Okay, feminine qualities, even more powerful, uh, are actually influencing the world by flowing with it, by connecting to it, by empathizing with it, by, uh, mm. by being part of it, okay? uh, by understanding that there is no separation. And, and I think what is happening is that sadly in our world, in our hyper-masculine world today, where we have convinced everyone that the only way for us to succeed you know in a competitive capitalist world is to behave in a masculine way this also is creating a world where we stopped being and being is the key to creating a world that we want to live in it's not doing and, and sadly what we have been doing for ages now is we become so good at doing but we're doing the wrong things did you understand so we've been we've become so good at building cars hmm? But do we actually need all of those cars? We've become so good at building the next iPhone, but do we actually need the next iPhone? I was interviewing Arun Gandhi, the, the grandson of Gandhi yesterday for slow-mo. And, and he, he called that violence. And, and I was like, Arun, that's a very strong word, that word. And he said, yes, we are, we are engaging in violence against nature and violence against our fellow humans by 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 getting by by throwing away a pencil, his story with his grandpa was around a three-inch pencil that he threw away, and Gandhi basically told him this is violence. And you know the story is by throwing away that pencil, you're forcing another pencil to be created, which takes away from the opportunity of others to have enough and takes away from the opportunity of the planet to sustain itself. And can we can we through embracing and living our feminine more, which I promise you has been my biggest project for the last five and a, four, five and a half years. I've, I've been trying to, to empower my feminine side as a man, right? And if I can embrace that more, empower that more, make it lead my decisions, not my doing, but my decisions, can I be more friendly to the world? Can I have the empathy to want to make a billion people happy? Can I actually flow with people and be part of what's happening in all being and just by being who I am maybe I can influence the world as well that's the thing I think we're so conditioned ever since we're young and, and there's so much more pressure to to fulfill these like academic qualities yeah. and all those kind of things and this lack of we're sort of forced against creativity and nature and it makes us become I don't know if materialistic is the right word but I remember listening to you speaking you saying you know I always thought that when I have the next thing then I'll be happy and mm -hmm. I've 
God, I, I feel like that often, you know, you're like, oh, well, when I get this job, I'll be happy or whatever. And actually, we're so focused on one step ahead that we miss the, the being, the present right now. Absolutely. And that it's such a shame because before we know it, 10 years will pass and life would have gone, you know? Absolutely. And, 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 and what we chase, Susie, is just so crazy. I, I, I posted on my Instagram a couple of days ago. Uh, you know, a friend of mine shared a, a, a song on Apple uh, Music with me. And I, I don't use Apple Music for a while now. And so Apple was trying to convince me uh, to, to get onto Apple Music by telling me 60 million songs for free for three months. Okay. And my mathematical mind was horrendously puzzled. That's if, I, if a song is on average three minutes, that's 180 million minutes of music. 350 years worth and i don't i i may i may have 15 20 years to live right why are you why are you selling to me uh you know 350 years worth of of music wouldn't i feel better if you told me all of your favorite music all 200 songs are available for two dollars and by the way you would donate two other dollars pay us 3.99 not 9.99 and and get 2000 songs why 60 million? Why are we constantly conditioned that more is better? Okay. And maybe music is the worst example because music is so beautiful. And there is an element of actually allowing creativity for the creators of those 60 million songs to be on Apple. But why are you conditioning me, the consumer, to believe that I am worse off if, if I don't know how many Spotify has, but if Spotify had 40 million and you guys had 60, that you're better because of that. I, I don't think that's better at all. As a matter of fact, that's quite confusing, quite overwhelming for me. And it's, it's no longer, uh, you know, uh, 60 million songs. It's 60 million songs and 40 million channels and, you know, uh, uh, four, 400 million hours of programming on TV and four, 40 flavors of ice cream. And, you know, so, sorry <laughs> to say, uh, 400,000 different women on dating apps. Okay. Mm. And, and all of that abundance of choice where really all you want is one wonderful woman in your life, but we now forgot that, okay? All you really want is one small scoop of ice cream, but we forgot that. All you really want is a beautiful song that you absolutely enjoy, but we forgot that. It becomes such a blur, and that's, I think that's why particularly, I mean, everywhere, but like our generation have such an issue with making decisions. And absolutely. I think so difficult and we, we strive for perfection and what's going to be you know the perfect decision the one that's going to make me happy but ultimately they're all going to have positives they're all going to have negatives some you're going to get some obstacles along the way and as my mum just says she goes you just have to choose and go and get absolutely. on with it absolutely yeah. one of my favorite books five maybe ten years ago I don't remember the author it's called the art of choosing and you know and she discusses how arranged marriages in the past worked really really well uh, simply because there was no choice involved. The families married each other. And then you were like, oh, okay, uh, can I make this work? And sometimes they didn't work, but you focused on the process of enjoying what you had rather than the process of criticizing that one choice in comparison to every other choice out there, which if you do the mathematics is somewhere around 3.6 billion other men out there if you're a woman. Right? So, so, so it's endless. And, 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 you, and you take that and you walk into a Starbucks and, you know, shouldn't it have been, can I have coffee uh, or tea 
and and that's the choice right and then maybe after i made that choice i would choose if i want milk or not and then you know maybe let's push it a step further and say alternative milk or milk and then froth <laughs> it or don't okay and that's too many choices okay but now you know it's a, a wet caramel cappuccino uh, with soy milk half and half uh, you know with a space for i don't like what what and actually this goes back to then expectations and when you've had to make so many choices for this coffee or whatever you know that's like five things that you're having to decide on then you expect this coffee to be the best coffee you've ever had and then it's actually just it's average yeah you know the mathematics of it Susie is actually quite quite complicated one of the books uh, uh, I'm, I'm you know I wrote the notes off but I'm not actively working on, on is, a, is, a, is a book called Bomb Squad and Bomb Squad you know, bad title for a Middle Eastern, but Bomb Squad is a is a you know basically <laughs> an approach to solving problems, imagining that you know you have a bomb threat, okay, and what would you do to solve this? And you know, one of the biggest tricks I've always used in my career to solve problems is something I call the N squared uh, uh, um, layering problem. So when you have five choices of coffee, uh, you're you're not choosing, you know, so milk or coffee or tea or hot or cold and so on these are not five different options these are to the power of five right so so you have mm-hmm. you have the n squared problem it's it's five to the five squared basically so if you have five layers you need to make 25 choices if you have six layers and you know it becomes 36 and so on and so forth the the, the problem becomes uh, exponentially more complex to solve uh, when you add layers not choices Okay, so if you had within the layer of coffee, you had only two choices, caffeinated or decaffeinated. Okay, that's one thing. But then if you make it caffeinated or decaffeinated, cold or, uh, or, uh, or warm, that's another layer. Then, then it's four, right? Uh, four choices. And, and when, I, when I look at your generation and the number of layers you have to go through with every choice, no wonder that you know going out with friends on Friday night takes six hundred hours to prepare, right? Because <laughs> right, it's endless. It, it, it does. Yeah? It so does. <laughs> it's it literally is endless. It's endless. You know what? Every single element of your life, I believe, is exponentially harder than it should be. And as well, the other thing is, it's absolutely exhausting and it's the biggest waste of time ever and before you know it it's it's done the whole thing and you've spent hours deciding on what to do and then you get there and it's just it's you know it's average (laughs) i can feel your pain (laughs) i know well i feel like you're really understanding the millennial (laughs) so so, so you know you know what i'm doing now actually i'm probably hopefully going to launch a, a, a small spotlight on that because it's really early thinking in my in my mind on, on social media is something I call Project Half Monk. Okay. Mm-hmm. And and again, I didn't I never spoke about this in public, so you're you're having an exclusive here. But but the, the, the lockdown has really highlighted something to me that by by eliminating certain choices, I enjoyed the other choices so much more. Mm. Right. And and so by removing elements of my life. I ended up actually getting more, not less. 
Hmm? So, mm -hmm. so you know, I, 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 many, many uh, followers of of my work who know that I got locked down in London, and there, I wasn't mm -hmm. too far away from St James's Park. And I have to tell you, I never enjoyed London as much. Okay, uh, you know that tiny little walk where there was one cafe bakery that was open on the way. Every little item in that bakery was so much better than the rush I used to go through as I walked the streets of any big city before. And then that one hour walk in St. James's Park was so intensely enjoyable. Okay. Mm. And, and, you know, when I had a chance to meet a friend afterwards, you know, it was amazing. And, and so Project Half Monk has been on my mind for a while, which is the idea of how much of the modern world distractions can I actually take out of my life uh, almost like a monk but remain productive and effective in life so that my startup is successful my slow-mo podcast is still working and so on and so forth and it's and, and it's so interesting because it no longer becomes the choice of what coffee will I order at a Starbucks it, go, it goes a layer higher. It, go, it goes on one layer above in terms of abstraction, and it becomes, should I go to Starbucks at all? Okay? And by, by not going to Starbucks at all, I eliminate all of that, right? Uh, on, uh, honestly, if you don't mind me saying, you're, I, I know you reasonably well by now, and you're a wonderful human being, right? So what difference does it make how you represent yourself on a Friday night if the people you were going out with on Friday night were people that loved you for who you are, right? And, and just by choosing that layer of abstraction to say, look, if I went out in jeans, they'll still love me. If I went out in a miniskirt, they'll still love me. If I went out uh, making my hair, they'll still, they'll still love me. If I didn't, they will still love me. If I was silent today, they will love me. If I wasn't silent today, they will love me. Zero effort, okay? Let's just go meet them. And, and that abstraction, that layer of abstraction of maybe I shouldn't allow myself to be with people that push me to be that selective and that concerned simplifies and takes away a full layer of 350 choices that you have to do on Friday night. Mo, you amaze me. Have you always had the capacity to think like this and to kind of match like I guess the mathematics side of your brain and then this emotional <laughs> intelligence or because I know that you've you say that you I mean you know you've sort of been striving to solve for happy and if you don't mind me saying you suffered with depression and you know and then this was kind of like tell me about your journey in, in finding true happiness for you I mean it's, it's amazing <laughs> I, don't, I don't mind you saying that at all as a matter of fact I appreciate that you said that I think again going back to the feminine and the masculine if you if you if people were to understand that the chief business officer of Google X who's made it and had 16 cars in his garage at that point in time is just like you and me, okay? Who, yeah. you know, suffered depression, who misses love, who, uh, you know, uh, uh, is uh, sometimes um, uh, sad and sometimes anxious and sometimes worried. And, you know, we're all human. And I think that's the absolute thing that we started to miss. Hmm? And, and it shocks me huh? because... You know, when I worked at Google, I may have had a few thousand people in my organization, but within me, I'm the same mode that goes to pee every now and then and, you know, craves chocolate and wants to, I'm, I'm just like everyone else. And I, you know, I, at the time I had my wonderful wife in my, li in my life and I missed her and, you know, we fought every now and then, and then we made up. It's just, I'm just like a human, like every other human. And, and I think this is where 
where people start to see the truth, huh? that, the, that the media and the way the media presents us, you know, sometimes as those celebrities that must be like a part of God is absolutely not true at all, okay? The only difference, and I will say that, and I know a lot of people will they probably switch the podcast off when I say that, the only difference is a choice that I made at a very young age. And, and that choice was very straightforward. I, uh, I, I made two choices. One is I will never spend a minute of my life doing something that doesn't make me happy, okay? That everything the world has told me about being successful as a prerequisite to being happy was a lie, okay? And as a matter of fact, that being happy is a prerequisite to being successful. Because mm. if I am annoyed with my work and I have to wake up every morning and convince myself to get there and drag my feet, I'm very much less likely to be successful than I am if I actually love what I do, okay? Yeah. If, I'm, if I am totally in love with my partner and enjoying each other and our you know, a relationship is fiery and fun and goofy, it's much more likely that we will, uh, you know, enjoy each other more than, than if it's a struggle, right? And, and those choices uh, actually are made out of a conviction hmm, that uh, contradicts the belief of the modern world, which is you have to conform to find success. And when you find success, you'll find happiness. The opposite is true. Huh? So, so most of the people that you see successful uh, in the big media are in depression, okay? They're swimming in money. They are uh, rich and famous. They have followers that, uh, you know, are counted in the millions, and then they commit suicide, right? And on the other hand, most uh, fun people that you know in the media are actually quite successful, you know? They've, if they love what they do, it shows, you know, uh, Mo Salah loves playing football. That's what he does. Okay. Now, so this is, this was one choice. The other choice where I, I will tell you openly flipped my life upside down is as I graduated, uh, everyone around me put an hour a day, four to five times a week in going to the gym. Okay? And I was reasonably athletic too. And I continued to do that until I injured myself in my late 20s. Uh, uh, you know, and it took me around 10, 12 years until I became athletic again. But, but, but at that time, I realized that the one thing that most of my peers don't do is put an hour a day, three, four to five times a week in the brain gym. Okay? And in the brain gym, basically what you do is you want to learn an hour a day. You want to learn something that makes you understand the world better, okay? Yeah. So, so read, uh, if you guys still read, uh, you know, watch it. <laughs> it's a, a good question. It's a great question, right? But maybe, maybe listen to an audio book, maybe listen to a TED Talk, maybe subscribe to a podcast, maybe, uh, you know, spend time with people that will improve your understanding of the world. And by the way, improving your understanding of the world, and I say that with a ton of respect, is not about bitching and criticizing everything. Okay? It's actually about discussing at depth, not what we disagree with, but what we want the world to be, what we want ourselves to be. Okay? It's a targeted conversation. And if, and if you do that an hour a day, hmm, something amazing happens. Because I did that when I graduated. It must have been 30 years ago. Hmm? First, first year, that was 365 hours. Okay? Uh, you know, 10 years later, it was 3,650 hours. Now, 30 years later, I've done 10,000 hours of learning that my peers spent watching Manchester United, 
or you know spent on in a in a pub or a cafe right those 10000 hours will completely flip your life uh, you know if you've if you've read malcolm gladwell's outliers which was one is one of my favorite books of all time malcolm gladwell talks about the fact that the the impact of talent is not really that major okay that talent is a result of putting in the hours okay that the most talented musicians in the world practice hmm, eight hours a day if you, if you have watched the documentary uh, eight days a week where the beatles were playing three shows a day okay three gigs a day is what you need to become the beatles hmm? uh, you know footballers play eight hours a day and as they play eight hours a day they become footballers and so on and so forth so while while of course there would be things in your upbringing that may prevent you from pursuing that talent but I'll tell you openly, when I wrote Soul for Happy, the first version was a piece of crap, okay? And I wrote four other versions. Believe it or not, I wrote four other versions from scratch, okay? And then eventually I edited the book 28, 29 times with five different editors, okay? In that process, I spent 2,430 hours in total. I count everything. I'm, I apologize, but I'm a, you know, a mathematician. I think right? you do naturally. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So 2,430 hours is a quarter of my 10,000 hours. So my second book was so much easier to write. My third book is so much easier to write. My 10th book will be the easiest thing ever. It will be just like second nature. Mm. It's funny. I know. And I think people are so, there's a massive lack of confidence really that I see in loads of my friends as well, particularly at the moment. But I think like you just said, you just, there is obviously people are some people will be more nature nurture some people are more naturally talented at music and I can't hold a note but some of my friends can but it's actually like the work that you put into it and anything's possible really within reason yeah. like you just said we're going to create these these AI intelligence robots who are going to be billions of times you know more intelligent than us that just says that actually we can do a lot of stuff and you've just got to put that work it. in Believe it, those AI robots are actually working on the same neuroplasticity concept. They basically learn the same way. If you take AlphaGo Zero, which is the world champion in a game called Go, right? It just over time becomes better at it. You know, at the beginning, it knows nothing about Go. Three days later, it, pl it plays like a reasonable human. You know, uh, uh, three weeks later, it beats the world champion and so on and so forth, right? It's just neuroplasticity, repetition. And repetition, by the way, Everything, including happiness, by the way, is a result of practice, just like going to the gym. If you go to the gym once a month and lift very heavy, it doesn't create muscles. The way you create muscles <laughs> is you go to the, you go to the gym you know, every, every week for three four, or four times. You repeat that cycle over several weeks and then suddenly you have muscles. And, and the more interesting side, by the way, is if you go to the gym four times a week and you squat, 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 you're going to look like a pear, right? The rest of your body <laughs> is not going to develop and that part will become quite sizable, right? And that's exactly what happens in our brains. If we are constantly watching negative news on the BBC or in your generation, just constantly looking for conspiracy theories on the internet, you're making your brain really good at finding conspiracy, okay? You're making your, your brain really good at being angry. You're making your brain really good at finding the negative, okay? And your brain is just squatting. It's, because it's looking like a pear, right? And, and those choices are really interesting choices. I do not sleep 
any evening without watching a comedy. Before I, I get to my bed to do my bed meditation, I, I put in a, a 10 minutes of a, you know, Michael McIntyre or something like that, right? Nice, clean, funny comedy, you know, or whatever your preference is. Huh? I, you know, I, I love those uh, strange planets on, on, uh, on Instagram, right? I love those, right? You find a couple of those and they're so wonderful and so funny. Right, you put your brain in the minds and the right mindset instead of watching the BBC News or Channel Four telling you, "Ah, oh, the world's gonna end." Right, and you're training yourself to believe that the world is gonna end. What good is that? Do you think that since you've been practicing being happy, has it got easier? Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's I, good to I, know. I, 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 prom- I promise you. I promise you. My target is to be the Olympic champion of happiness. <laughs> absolutely absolutely and i and i had the joy of of meeting some of the of the happiest people in the world you know i spent uh, quite a bit of time with his holiness the dalai lama i i interviewed matthew ricard a couple of uh, of weeks ago <coughs> and i and happiness is is not that complicated happiness is like fitness you make it your priority you go to the happiness gym three to four times a week it's not that complicated okay the, the trick is the following the trick is don't expect to always be happy because unhappiness is a survival mechanism, okay? It is our brains telling us something is not exactly what it is. If you're with a, an abusive partner, all of the anxiety, all of the tension, all of the pain that you're going through is to tell you, hey, by the way, by the way, I've looked at this. Your brain is talking, huh? I've looked at this and I, and I actually think it's not good for us, okay? And, and you know, that, the, the way it alerts you is simply by saying, I don't feel happy. Mm -hmm. And so unhappiness is good. Unhappiness is really a survival mechanism. It's the fire alarm when something is not right. Mm -hmm. It's sticking to that unhappiness and staying there that is stupid. Okay. Mm -hmm. When you get the fire alarm, what do you do? Do you exit the building? Right? You do something about it. And that's exactly my, my style. So I actually don't measure how long I stay happy because even I, with all of the practice I've done over the last, you know, 20 some years, I get unhappy, I get angry, I get frustrated, I get tense, and yeah, so on. Yeah, of course. Okay? Yeah, what I measure is how quickly do I bounce back to a state of calm and tranquility and peace, okay? Mm-hmm. And this might shock you, but on average, with the exception of a few times a year, hmm, I bounce back to happiness within seven seconds. Wow. Seven seconds, okay? And I can tell you exactly what flow chart I go through in my head that bounces me back to happiness literally in seven seconds, okay? A few times it lasts for a day. A few times it lasts for an hour, for an hour right? But, but in reality, it's stupid to last in an hour, for an hour when, it, when you can bounce back in, for seven seconds, because, in seven seconds. Because basically, what, what unhappiness is doing is it's saying, fire alarm, so you say, okay, got it, right? And, and behave as if it's a fire alarm, right? I hope you don't mind me asking, but... I know what happened with your son, Ali, and he really sadly passed away when he was younger. And I've heard you speak a bit about what him and, and your experience with losing him and how this has kind of pushed you, I guess, to, to make more people happy and to encourage people and stuff. And yeah, and I just wondered like that experience and how that's affected and, and your kind of, yeah, and you're dealing with your emotions around losing Ali uh-huh. as well. So Ali was everything. Uh, you he know, sounds amazing. He's an, he's an incredible, incredible, incredible being in every possible way. He's the biggest gift I have ever been given. And, and Ali, when I say he was everything, I mean, of course, 
not everything, but he was not just my son. He was my son, my best friend, my um, mm. uh, coach, okay, uh, my inspiration. And in many ways, my uh, uh, holding me honest agent. So, so Ali would every now and then go, come to me and say, Papa, I'm going to say something that's going to upset you. And I know that he was going to tell me something that will open my eyes and mind. Ali was uh, left our world uh, when he was 21 and a half because of a, a preventable surgical uh, error. And, and, and uh, my wonderful other gift in life is my daughter, Aya. And Aya mm. um, and Ali were really soulmates. So, so he told her everything. He called her every day. Uh, and, uh, and two weeks before he died, he told her that he had a dream. It's hard every time for me, even, yeah. though, even though it's six years later. Of course his, it is. His dream, his dream was that he uh, was everywhere and part of everyone. And he told her, Aya, I felt so amazing. I did not want to be back in my body. Mm. And so four days after Ali died, Aya comes to me and says, Papa, I have to tell you this. And she tells me the dream. And you can imagine at that time, you know, I'm not the clearest in my head that I have ever been. And so for some reason, I heard the dream as if my master, my teacher, my coach, my son, my best friend is giving me a quota. This is, his, this is how blurry my businessman's mind was. Okay? I basically heard it as Aya telling me, Papa, Ali gave you the target of making him everywhere and part of everyone. So I immediately responded by saying out loud, actually, I will remember, I said, sure, Habibi. Habibi is my love in Arabic. So I said, sure, Habibi, consider it done. Okay? <laughs> and, and it's funny because at the time I worked at Google, everything we did at Google was in billions. I knew exactly how to reach a billion people with anything, really. It was just really not that complicated, if you ask me. And so, yeah, I, uh, somehow my life completely shifted from let me sit in that corner and cry for the rest of my life to basically how do I take what Ali taught me and make it everywhere and part of everyone. And at the time I had what, what seemed to be a very ambitious target, 10 million happy was the, the target. And 10 million happy was basically if I wrote down what he taught me about happiness, shared it with 10 million people, and then a hundred years later, through six degrees of separation, a drop of it will be everywhere and everyone, and, and part of everyone. And somehow, the, you know, like Paulo Coelho will say in, in The Alchemist, uh, you know, when you know your life's purpose, the universe conspires to make it happen. The universe conspired to make this happen. And I have no idea how. I'm, I'm, I'm a first-time author. Uh, you know, English is not my native language. I'm quite shy, actually. I don't want to be in the spotlight at all. And within a six weeks after, uh, after, uh, after, I, after the book was published, uh, I was doing interviews to promote the book. And my interview, interviews got viral, and my, my, I had 100 million views online. Okay? And basically, the mission was already born and it was already happening and you know the book has changed the life of hundreds of thousands of people but the internet and the rest of the content has been spreading that message further and you know you know what and i i know this sounds really weird but i have never been happier 
I lost my wonderful, wonderful, wonderful son, and I've never been happier. I've, I've never been more blessed. I've never been, listen to this. I, you know, I was, I was giving a speech in the Netherlands last November when they allowed us to travel. And, uh, and, you know, I cried on stage because the interviewer asked me, I don't know what question. And basically I realized that I lost the love of Ali, which definitely is the biggest love I felt in my life. But then it was replaced with the love of hundreds of thousands of people. Like it's overwhelming. It really is overwhelming when you think about it. When you dedicate your life to something that helps life, hmm? how much life rewards you as a result with all that love. It's like Ali was your guardian angel and he was sent to come and to teach you and to coach you and then just to guide you and this is what he's doing now and he's guiding you and it's i mean from as you know from someone on the flip side of things like you really have touched so many of my friends and it's such a pleasure to have you on the podcast and to be speaking with you mo because (laughs) you're the wisest person i've ever come across and amazing I'm, i'm i'm definitely the most driven to make others find the truth, okay? Mm. And, I, and I really ask people to do me that big favor because, you know, I've, as my daughter, my, my very wise daughter also, my daughter is very wise, but, you know, she, she always told me, reminds me, and she says, Papa, you've been paid in advance, okay? Uh, so it's now time to pay back. And, and, that, and it's very true. I'm, I'm Egyptian. I'm born and raised in Egypt. I went to public university and public school in Egypt. So I, I had no expectation whatsoever to become chief business officer of Google X or an international best-selling author. Or, and I will tell you, I worked hard, but, but I don't have the qualifications, to be honest. I just worked hard and the rest was luck. Mm. Right? And, and I was so fortunate so early in my life uh, that it, this is to me truly and honestly about making a difference. And, and I can't make a difference alone. I, I, on one side, I said, yes, we, you know, on the internet, working at Google, we could reach a billion people with anything. Okay. But, but remember, you know, it took Jesus 2000 years to reach a billion people. Okay. So, so I'm not Jesus. I'm never even going to be close. I'm nobody. <laughs> and, and, and the mission is very straightforward. Huh? The mission is if we could encourage a million champions like you, Susie, to champion a billion happy, and I and my team get completely forgotten, then we've achieved, okay? And that's the trick. The trick is that none of us should be the face of it. This is not mainstream media, you know, uh, follow the Kardashians type thing. This is all of us holding together and all of us making each other happy. Okay? And so I ask people who are listening, if you, if you would be so generous to, to join, join by doing the following. The mission is really three things. One is prioritize your happiness because I promise you, you know, from an old man, and I hope you listen to that one old man on that one advice, okay? Life without happiness is not worth living even if you're successful. Even if you have the sexiest partner in your life, if you're not happy with them, it doesn't matter. Even if you have the biggest title on your, on your card, if you're not happy at your job, it doesn't matter. Even if you have all of the money in the world, if you're not happy with, that, with what you have, it doesn't matter. And so happiness is your priority. Make it your priority. And then that's step number one. And step number two is invest in it. 
and invest in it just like you invest in your fitness. Go to the gym three to four times a week, spend an hour reading a book, listen to a podcast, uh, you know, send me a question, uh, uh, you know, whatever. Just one hour a day, four to five, three, four to five times a week. And then third, have the compassion in your heart now that you know how beautiful that feeling of calm and peace is to make others happy, to want happiness for others. And so tell two people, tell your sister and your best friend what you know about happiness. Tell them to prioritize their happiness. Send them a link, okay? Or be generous and tell 2,000 people. Hmm? And when you do, believe it or not, within five years, the mathematics will say if everyone on this podcast told two people who told two people who told two people, that's the definition of the exponential function, okay? Within five years, we'll be at a billion happy. And that's really, really not a big thing to do. Two people telling two people is really not, you know, not that complex. And that's what I we ask can people. Do that. Yeah. Oh, Mo, what an amazing note to finish on. And you have my underlying support, and I'm sure everybody else's who's been listening as well. I'm excited to hear <laughs> what everybody thinks of you and your wisdom. And it's been an absolute pleasure. So thank you so much. Absolutely. My pleasure, Susie. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to host you on my podcast. So people oh. should be looking forward to that. And uh, thank you so much for the opportunity. I hope we made a difference to a few people today. Just before I quickly let you go, could I ask you some fun questions? Is that all right? Fun questions it is. Okay. So firstly, please, can you tell me a book that you would recommend? Untethered Soul. Amazing. What's your favorite condiment? This is a bit weird. And why? Wasabi. Does that nice. count as a, as a condiment? A hundred percent. Yeah. Good. Yeah. What is your favorite? Actually, for you, local, what's your favorite restaurant? I'm new here. So um, I, my favorite restaurant has constantly, since the lockdown, been my kitchen. Does that count? <laughs> yes. And that's such a good answer. Mm-hmm. Do you have a mentor or someone that has inspired you in your life? Oh, everyone is a mentor. You're my mentor today. If you could have dinner with three people, alive or dead, who would they be? Einstein, hands down. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'd then, because I'm a a salesman, so I'm going to negotiate a little, I'd have Buddha, Jesus, and Muhammad. Uh, Interesting debate there. Would be really, really cool. (laughs) Uh, And then I'd take the pain and spend an hour with Trump. Maybe I'd make a difference. Nice. I like the challenge. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, what is your favorite travel destination? My favorite travel destination. Now it's home. Again, my half monk approach is really trying to find silence and space. My favorite countries on earth are somewhere between Japan and Colombia, which to me are the most incredible humans I have ever met. Oh, I'll have to visit them both when when the world lets us. Absolutely have to, yeah. Oh, well, Mo, thank you so much. And I can't wait to come and speak to you on your podcast. And I hope that one day you'll join me again. And I am always here, anywhere, anytime I can make a difference to one human, I will show up. I'm so grateful for the opportunity, Susie. Oh, well, thank you. And enjoy the rest of your day and your 10 minutes of Michael McIntyre. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you, Mo. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Inside Out series with me, Susie Flory. 
If you enjoy the podcast, I would be so grateful if you could please rate, review and subscribe. Apparently, it makes it easier for people to find us. Have a good day. Bye.